morning. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last talked, the U.S. midterms delivered what many are calling surprising results, to say the least. Global climate leaders gathered in Egypt. The grain markets, led by the corn market, slipped to a lower trading range. Winter showed up, and the college basketball season started. I am AgriTalk host Chip Flory. Welcome to Signal to Noise. Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Chip. Okay, we are going to spend a lot of the time this morning on the midterm elections. There's just a couple of things that I want to get to from last week that I think are important before we, we dive right into it. Also, if you would like to be part of the conversation, there is a comments tab on the screen. Go ahead and click on that. A dialogue box will pop up somewhere on the page for you, and you can type in your question, your comment, and we will definitely try to get to those uh, before the end of the show. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the inflation concerns and so on first, Jim, because the Michigan, uh, the University of Michigan's sentiment index certainly didn't suggest that businesses are comfortable in the current economic environment, did it? No, and that's what the Fed is worried about, with yeah. inflation becoming entrenched, Chip. You can see it in the earnings calls by more than a few companies. Okay. The Fed governors, a very vocal group. I mean, there there's times where I'm thinking to myself, I wish they'd just keep their mouth shut. Uh, but there are other times that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that they are making their opinions known on a regular basis. And most of them are, but they're, they're, they're kind of indicating that they may not completely understand how these futures markets work, that the futures market is going to be out in front of what is happening today. Yes. And you're seeing it in the equities market, too. Uh, and you're seeing yeah. it in some, but not a lot, some um, uh, commodities and, and other uh, products like, like coffee uh, mm -hmm. hitting a, a real downdraft chip. So we're beginning Cotton. to see indications. Cotton, yeah, we're beginning to see indications. Uh, but it, it has definitely gotten into the U.S., housing sector and and the fed knows that that it is crimping the uh housing construction and housing sales uh etc yeah yeah and and that's a a strong indicator for us all to watch uh global food input costs nearing two trillion dollars okay yeah it, but how much of an increase is that it's about a 10% increase over a year ago, Jim. And these countries that are importing food and a majority of their food, a 10% increase in costs is devastating. Huge. And and with the impact of the dollar, if they price them in dollars. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's big. And then even domestically in the U.S., as I said on AgriTalk, I attended and spoke at the American Ag Bankers Association meeting. And while, they're, while they think uh, generally uh, the ag sector in the U.S. will be okay for 2023, they're nervous about 2024. Now, I know we've heard similar scenarios over the past several 
several years, but this time it's where in uh, interest rates are because we've had relatively zero interest rates for the prior years. Now, if if the Fed funds uh, rates go to five percent, that equates to about a ten and a half to eleven percent operating loan rate, and yeah. that's crunch time. Oh, absolutely. You know, after we got the CPI data last week, we started to see some. We saw a big rally in the equities. We yes. saw in one day the the rate on the ten year note backed off by twenty five basis points. Yes. Um, these are huge moves, yeah. huge moves, and it it, uh, it it the markets looked at the at, at the data that was out last week. And basically decided, listen, we're close enough now that we can start to anticipate an easing in monetary policy at some point in the near future. Yeah, well, at least lower rates for December uh, at, at the FOMC meeting from prior. A to slower increase. Ago, a, a slower, slower increase. increase. Prior, yeah. it was plus 75 basis point increase. Now, the wide consensus is 50 basis points. Now, that that's still higher. But again, yeah. that uh, I think it gave us a sugar high, if nothing else, on yeah. Friday and uh, on Thursday in the equities market. Okay, um, of course we had the midterm elections next week. We're going to spend the second half of the show on that. Okay, Jim, sure, um, or more, or more. <laughs> um, but uh, over the anything else from last week that that you really feel like we need to. Well, Ru Russia w came out and then went back into this UN uh, agreement. So it looks like uh, uh, they continue to discuss, but it looks like that'll be ongoing uh, with or without Russia, by the way, uh, right. uh, prior to the November 19th uh, uh, deadline. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to call this over the weekend, even though it happened very early this morning, U.S. time. Biden and President G. Uh, have have already met in front of the G20 summit. This was was it the first meeting between face to face meeting face to face absolutely, okay. and that's always good because you know Biden has said uh, he wants to identify and it's in his words red lines with China, like what are the most sensitive issues, and and I think that's the right approach, you know, for for you know those two leaders to you know to discuss so. Anytime the the world's two economic leaders talk, I like it. Okay. Any indication of what the conversation sounded like at this point? I mean, are they happy with where this with what the state of relations are? Well, I don't think it's any worse, and it's somewhat better than it was prior to the elections, by the way. There's no deliverables, as we call it, in Washington. But uh, I, I do think uh, Xi Jinping, China's leader, is coming back into the world. And uh, his, his government is uh, having continued signals that they're modifying their zero COVID. And over the weekend, I think yesterday, Sunday, they announced some uh, stimulus uh, plans or gimmies for the uh, uh, residential real estate sector. So uh, he's starting to move and he's starting to meet with other leaders of the world. And again, that's a good sign. Okay. On the COVID-19, when there was speculation last week that there was going to be a relaxation of the zero COVID policies in China that gave us stocks a boost, Jim. Yes. 
Yeah, well, because of uh, such a significance that China plays in the logistics market, in the in the supply and demand of uh, you know very important products, uh, etc. And uh, albeit they had a major increase in COVID cases uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, o- over the weekend, and uh, but but still they're giving more than a few signals that they're going to modify their plan. Okay. Uh, primarily not looking for secondary sources. So, uh, you know, that that's a step. Right. Okay. Uh, the other thing that happened in the markets last week that we have not mentioned yet in reaction to everything that took place was the dollar really just got hammered. Uh, uh, and that is something that grain traders have been looking for, is, uh, trying to say that if we could get the dollar index into that 108 range, maybe we could see some export demand start to come back. (laughs) Well, we got there. Uh, I don't know if we're seeing a whole lot of export demand come back or not, but what do you make of the currency trade? What's it mean for us? Well, one, for the, for the, any positive impacts on ag market trade, it takes three, at least three, if not six months for any, uh, a continued trend in the dollar mm-hmm. to have an impact, Jeff. Uh, two is that uh, the dollar really goes on the charts yeah, where, where the uh, downside and upside potential as opposed to a trading range. So we would have to go down uh, a bit more to really change the psychology of a bullish uh, dollar. Okay. As long as we're talking about currencies here, I'll go to Gary's question. Uh, I don't, I don't have an answer for this because I don't know if I completely understand exactly where you're coming from, Gary odds that Biden uses a cryptocurrency price hike. Yeah. I'm not quite sure either. I, I okay, give us a little you, more on that, Gary. Yeah. Treasury secretary Janet Yellen now says it needs to be regulated. And that was evident now for quite some time. I mean, I dabbled a year or so ago in the crypto just to learn it, Chip, in a minor way. And and I, it just opened my eyes that this was like the Wild West. <laughs> you know, just, oh, my goodness. While it helped me build a uh, reform. Oh, the it, NFT crypto debacle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, the, the whole thing. I always joked around. I always joked around, Jim, that the value of Bitcoin, Dogecoin, the cryptos, is completely 100% determined by what the next person that wants to buy it thinks that thing is worth. Yeah. Okay? And you know what? That's basically right. That's basically right. It's not like we are assigning any intrinsic value to... The, the crypto it is it just continues to build on that transaction and as the transactions continued to build higher and everything is 100 fully documented on the blockchain as long as it continues to point to higher prices the price will be higher yeah uh until it's not yeah and once it's not then we you know to use an old phrase then we find out that maybe the emperor has no clothes yeah, it's like I said. It was. It, it continues to be the wild west, and it very yeah. an emotional uh, trading uh, Bitcoin yeah. on attitudes and and things like that. Now I know a, more than a few younger people like uh, Bitcoin, et cetera, because they just don't like the stock market. They think that that's yeah. uh, an old game, and they don't want to play it. Right, right. You know, it, it's. Uh... 
it it's what it what is happening in i mean nobody uh, nobody likes and i told you so okay nobody likes that but there are a lot of as you might have just said jim experienced traders in equities and in currencies and in commodities that looked at what was happening with the cryptos and basically were saying there's you know don't trade that yeah you can't trade that and a lot of people got burnt on this yeah. one. And, you know, Gary Gensler. And now, and now they're and out he, of money. Yes, Gary Gensler, SEC, yep. for months, if not years, uh, questioned this. It should have been regulated, at least in the U.S. And I don't okay. usually like to add regulations, by the way. But right. the, I did enough in the trading early on that I handed it to a couple chi young Chinese friends I know in D.C., and I was amazed at what they did, uh, uh, rhythms of the market, et cetera. Yeah. And I just I would have had to just sit on that trade just 24-7, Chip, and I wanted yeah. no part of it, no part. Right, of it. right. Okay, back to the G20, Jim, if, if we could, because uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin is not going to be there. He will be there virtually, correct? Yes, yeah. Well, now there's all sorts of rumors, and I don't want to get too involved in this one, Chip, of some internal things maybe going on in Russia, et cetera. And Putin started to change his position somewhat relative to Ukraine. So something may be going on in Russia relative to the their invasion on February 24th. And uh, you had Ukraine's leader now signaling uh, signaling at least uh, let's have some peace talks. So I think we, okay. we've got a turn uh, of, of turn of psychology on this invasion now. And that's, a, again, okay. that's a good thing. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get to the midterms because uh, the, the Senate is at least a 50-50 split. If Warnock beats Walker in the December 6th runoff in in uh, uh, Georgia, 6th. yeah, December 6th, it's going to be a 5149. Uh, 50, and that's important, because right now with a 50-50, you have a split in the Senate on committee members. Uh, so if, if you get 51 on the Democratic side, uh, that means they control all the committees, and I'm telling you that's important. Oh, absolutely. And are, are you handicapping the Walker race at this point? Well, the history shows, I, I, just me, but I, everything's changed relative to the midterms that I have to think through. But uh, uh, I, you start all over. I've had a number of emails. The, the, the voting starts all over. They don't, yeah. they don't take what's already been voted. Uh -uh. Right. So it, dep it depends on turnout. And the, the uh, Democrats, at least in recent history, Chip, have an advantage there uh, to bring their people to the polls. So I would say Warnock, uh, based on these humbled polls again, should have an early advantage in, in the polls. But, uh, you know, we're going to see. And, and yes, we will see. And we will see how much Georgia voters enjoy being in this position. 
yeah, and how much money is going to be spent? I mean, there's some reports that they're going to plow another hundred million dollars into this runoff race. It's just <laughs> mind-boggling. But uh, we're going to see how the signal to at least Republican-leaning voters in Georgia. Uh, get any lessons from uh, what has occurred in the midterms, both relative to the Senate and also yep. the very interesting House races, Chip. Y yes, absolutely. Now, I, I've I had a, a a few conversations over the weekend about the midterms, and the consensus was the Georgian voters are going to go with Walker now to keep the Senate in complete gridlock. Hmm. Uh, that's probably best for the Republicans because of that committee leadership change. Yep. So we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see it unfold because okay. the Democrats won't have now the advantage that they've had over the last several elections. I think we saw this when Trump lost. The Republicans are going to have to learn how to play the mail vote game. Because the Democrats have about a 30-day to 50-day advantage here by emphasizing mail-in votes, provisional votes, etc. And uh, that was evident, Chip, in the in the House contest. I think I know Trump is being blamed, rightfully so, for a number of uh, both Senate and House losses. But I think a big one was the, the was these mail votes. Yeah. yeah, you know, I can I, I've seen some analysis uh, on the on the news programs about how the the covid style voting practices were continued into the 22 elections and did have similar impacts on the outcomes that they may have had in 2020. And and I think that is I, I, I think it. Uh, yeah, I, I hear a lot of. Uh, you know, the, the, the calls of all or nothing now. And, and what I mean by that is people that want 100% day of voting only yes. day of voting only. Well, that, then that's up to the state level, say, and that's where some of the contests such as in Arizona and Nevada, uh, for those areas in the state that would be over the governors and 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 other elected officials uh, could change uh, uh, election voting timelines, but uh, in many cases, the uh, you know Democrats won those positions. So I wouldn't expect many changes in that regard. That's why the Republicans are going to have to strategize to emphasize mail-in votes. You know, mm -hmm. plus it, it's a way to get your your, uh, you know, voters to actually vote for your party rather than to concentrate so much on Election Day. We need Election Month now because that's the way the Democrats uh, do it. And uh, they have learned to play that game quite, quite well. And, you know, yeah. on Election Day, it depends on your attitude of going to the election booth, uh, the weather in some cases, believe it or not, uh, and what the psyche is for that particular time frame. So right. I think that was one of the biggest reasons uh, why we saw the tight, tight uh, races. But there were also reasons that uh, that uh, Supreme Court abortion case was far more 
important and sustainable as a democratic advantage issue because the uh, after election polls uh, show it and two, uh, the relatively weaker candidates on the Republican side in uh, not just uh, House and Senate races, but also in, in, in the governor races. And that's why the Republicans, many Republicans are pointing the finger at, uh, at Trump. Okay, as long as, as as long as we're doing that and pointing some fingers or talking about people pointing fingers, talk to me about the Jan 6 hearings. Uh, that also had an impact more. A, a lot of Republicans, mm -hmm. I know in my emails and talks, said, oh, that was being overplayed, et cetera. But mm -hmm. uh, the, the polls show, no, that that had uh, sustained impact. And you primarily saw that, Chip, I think, in the independents. I've said for years, the independent voters, uh, yeah, there's not that many, 12 to 15 percent, but uh, they become important. And at least based on uh, uh, Election Day polls, they favored the Democrats by two points when most of the uh, prognosticators thought that they would lean toward the Republicans. So and also. I think one of the reasons why some of these polls, not all, but most, were inaccurate, signaling a uh, even a possible Republican wave with that they overweighted the Republicans because for the prior several years, they underweighted the Republican vote. So they yeah. just got caught uh, into that. So there's a host of reasons, Jeff. But that uh, uh, January 6th, uh, uh, incident in which the in which President Trump sat in his office and watched it on TV rather than to make some moves at that hurt. Yeah, uh, the Farmer Forum that we had on AgriTalk on Wednesday last week, Tim Barak was on there. You know Tim, yes, and Michelle Jones from Montana. Two. Two different viewpoints came to the same conclusion, and that was that the Trump affiliation worked against you because it's it's not that voters don't like the Trump policies. They just don't have the stomach for the controversy going forward. No longer. Yes, they've had enough. They've had enough. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Gary points out ballot harvesting is hard in rural areas. I don't think the Republicans uh, uh, issues are in the rural areas. In, in fact, had it not been for the rural votes uh, uh, in both the Senate and and the House amongst uh, rural voters, uh, the Republicans were even would even be in worse shape. You have to get into these suburban uh, uh, areas that can be winnable. Uh, but also look at the states that, uh, like Florida and Texas, uh, whose Republican candidates, governors, uh, senators, etc., run uh, ran quite well. They were not beholden to Trump. And right. they also had a plan that they told the voters what they wanted to do. And more than a few voters said, you know, the, the Republicans uh, were excellent in targeting the downturns, uh, the negatives of the Democratic Party, but they didn't offer enough of 
how they would resolve it. And I think you're going to see that come up in the years ahead, especially the 2024 races uh, for both the uh, Senate and, of course, the House, but for president. Uh, that you just can't yeah. complain. Because let's, let's get bottom line. Look at all the things that we said before the election, the top issues, uh, the economy, inflation, the, uh, the open border, uh, the, the crime, et cetera. And then you had our president uh, taken uh, uh, apparently the right approach of saying this should be a choice election rather than a referendum. Now, I don't know who told him or whether it was him, but that was the right strategy, whether you agree with it or not. So we we saw some major, major uh, eye-opening developments. Okay, I'll just throw this out there from grassroots. Oh, one, one. We're not going to get into a whole lot of this, but Trump did offer up the National Guard. Okay, on January 6th. Yes. And they were told to stand down. So we have to remember that. We have to remember that. And what grassroots is saying here is don't blame Trump. Okay. I think that's part of the reason, because let me just cite, uh, you have his former vice president, okay, coming mm-hmm. out with a book tomorrow in which it's not uh, rosy regarding uh, his leader at the time, President uh, Trump, you know, Pence, Vice President Pence. Right. So uh, I don't, I yeah, I, I don't think the primary blame is Trump. I, I think we've already discussed the reasons why, yeah. you know, yeah. but he certainly had a role in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, a cu- some additional analysis that I've seen is uh, issue denial, where parties uh, don't believe, even though even if there is a problem that has taken place. I'm taking. I'm talking about inflation. I'm talking about the border. Uh, I'm talking about crime. Even though those issues are well documented, if a member of the party denies or does not believe that their party is responsible for inflation, the border issues, crime, that then, then it has no influence on their decisions at the polls. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, they're, they're more likely to vote with their party, even if those are their top issues, if they don't believe that their party is to blame for for those issues. Well, look at Hochul, the governor of New York, who yeah. uh, won only by what five percentage points around, uh, uh, where uh, you know prior to her saying they're making up this these crime statistics. I mean that that goes along with what you're saying. So it's just we're just in uncharted reasons for um, uh, the election results. But another yeah. person told me we used to vote the 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 better uh candidate now we vote the party right and despite whatever information you want to throw out and i think that helps explain some of the things that we saw okay um we are a republic i understand that uh we're democrat republic uh democratic republic the the concern was that democracy would die with this election Jim, did democracy die with the election? No, and it wouldn't have, it, no matter right. how it went. Uh, that was just a theme that uh, Biden played. 
you know, it, he it just want to make it a referendum on his administration, and it looks like he succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Jim, what's next? Well, we're going to have leadership races once we determine who wins the House. And on the Republicans, on the on the Democratic side, you know, Pelosi, the current House Speaker, over the weekend gave different signals. If the Democrats would suddenly uh, keep control of the House, again, which is unlikely but close, mm -hmm. she gave the signal, you know, that she could stick around. On the Republican side, it's going to be very interesting because Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, while he'll get the majority of the votes uh, this week to become speaker if the Republicans uh, you know, win the chamber, come January when you have to get the 218 votes, he doesn't have them today and he won't have them in January. So that means he has to deal with the arch conservatives, many of whom in his party are in the Freedom Caucus. And they're already given him a list of changes, Chip. And I'll just tell you one that could affect the committee leadership uh, in the House. He, uh, the Freedom Caucus members want the committee members to vote on the chair uh, on the chair of those panels rather than the leadership. So that's a significant change. Now, they have some other ideas, but McCarthy, in order to get the chair, the House speakership, is going to have to give. Will it be too much? We're going to see. So I would hmm. watch that in the months ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh, lawmakers do come back this week. What's going to be at the top of the agenda? Oh, well, it's spending. It's, it's yeah. the fiscal year 2023 uh, budget that started October 1. Uh, will there be an omnibus bill? Probably so. What's attached to it? Uh, there could be both parties going after things that they want in a spirit of getting out of this town. Uh, the most emails I've, I've received since the election chip is whether or not the election results impact the prior expectations of an extension for the emergency relief program, okay, ERP, uh, for, 20, for eligible 2022 crops and livestock. And my calls to uh, Congress over the weekend and today uh, signal that the odds are still, uh, uh, I don't know, high, but uh, over 50 percent that they will get an extension to the ERP program. But we have other things as far as judicial nominations, some two uh, ag sector related trade officials, uh, you know, nominations, which uh, will be approved by wide marks. And uh, the debate on the debt limit, either suspension or the uh, um, increase chip, uh, <clears throat> the Democrats wanna, want to suspend that this well, through the lame duck session uh, and have it go through the 2024 presidential election. The Republicans want to use it as leverage. So it, this may be punted off until the new Congress next year. Th those are the biggies, Chip, as far okay. as I can see. Okay. Very good. Very good. Hey, uh, did you hear that it's time to get in line? Far. 
Well, Jeff Bezos says that he will give away most of his billions of dollars, $124 billion, during his lifetime. I well, need to get to know Jeff. Yeah. Well, Dolly Parton got a hundred million. And we, yeah. She's very good at her at her age oh, at, programs. Absolutely. And I know that's why he did that. I just hope before he gives away too much that he either buys the nationals team or the uh command commanders. commanders uh, <laughs> because we need we need a lot of money and different leadership. Very good. Very good. All right. Today on AgriTalk, we've got Machine Repeat. We're going to be talking about the economy with Vince Malanga. This oh. afternoon, Scott Davis from Bullpen Trading. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. Mm -hmm.